like to uh, welcome Peter Legay, who is a partner at Thompson Gear, and uh, Peter's a, a friend and colleague, who uh, today has uh, come to talk about agencies versus contractors, which seems to be a hot topic, especially with uh, what's been happening in uh, the media agency world particularly. Welcome, mm. Peter. Thank you. So, uh, Peter, you know, it's interesting because uh, we do use the term agent. In fact, we deal a lot with media agencies and creative agencies and digital agencies. I'm wondering from a legal perspective, what do you think about when uh, someone uses the term agent? Well, I think of the legal term agent as opposed to the common parlance of the term uh, agent. Um, obviously, the common term uh, parlance of the term agent or agency is a much broader um, um, view and most likely legally incorrect. Um, the legal definition of an agent is, is a much, much um, tighter, uh, specific um, form of, of, of definition. And actually, if I can just give you two versions, um, you can basically, in a, in a more precise um, definition of the term agent, in, in, in the eyes of the law is an authority or capacity in one person to create legal relations between a person occupying the position of principal and third parties. Or more broadly speaking, it could be a person who is able by virtue of the authority conferred upon him or her to create or affect legal rights and duties as between another person who is called his or her principal and third parties. So in a nutshell, it's essentially at law, an agent is somebody who is legally entitled to create legal relations on behalf of their principal in respect of third parties. Well, uh, to me, very superficially, I, I would say most advertising agencies, be it media or creative or digital, do that because um, you know we often see uh, creative agencies, for instance, enter into contracts on behalf of their client to produce television commercials. And we see media agencies go and enter into contracts with uh, media owners around uh, media buying on behalf of their clients. So are they effectively acting as an agent under law? Uh, in some respects they may be. It, it, in most contracts you would see these days, um, and indeed uh, the days of not having a contract between an advertiser and an agency is long gone. Um, <laughs> luckily. You, you, luckily, yeah. It used to be either a one-liner of, you know, uh, we appoint you know, so-and-so as our agent for the next 12 months, or it would be a handshake and not in a wink. Or a letter from the agency. Or maybe even a letter from the I've seen that before too. Um, but the, um, the situation now is it's, they're full-blown agreements, um, and they'll usually have a clause that says that the uh, agency, or, or more to the point, the relationship between the two parties, the advertiser and the agency, is uh, not of um, principal and agent, um, employer, employee, um, uh, that they're independent contractors. Mm. Um, that, just because you say that, doesn't make it necessarily so. So the whole thing about whether or not an agency has been created is a matter of substance over form. Um, and it's a matter of how the parties um, um, conduct themselves in relation to each other, and indeed what the agency is actually permitted to do by the um, principal on its behalf. Now, in every sort of advertising agency relationship, if I can put it like that, um, there are going to be aspects of that that will be 
legally an agency type arrangement, but other aspects of it, and probably the great bulk of it, will be more in the independent contractor space. So, for example, you gave two, two scenarios of, of creating a television advertisement for a creative type situation. Um, in that sort of circumstance, the um, principal would have said to the agent, okay, you create me an ad, and off goes the agent and it contracts with a whole bunch of subcontractors to produce an advertisement. Um, those sort of arrangements would be as an independent contractor so that the agent will be liable to all of those subcontractors. Those, those subcontractors aren't going to be, or more to the point, the principal isn't going to be liable to those subcontractors. Well, that's interesting because the current um, production contract set up by the Communications Council in Australia and used by the majority of uh, production houses has a clause in it that says acceptance of this quote by the advertiser, not the agency, mm -hmm. binds them to all the terms and conditions within this contract. Now, that means that the agency is actually accepting the quote from the production house effectively on behalf of the advertiser, so, not the agency. So this is actually coming from the... Is, this is a contract between the... The production company provides yeah. the contract to the agency yeah. as part of their quote yeah, okay. that says yeah, this, bond, right, yeah. Yeah, this yeah. binds the advertiser, not the agency, yeah, well, the advertiser that, for the terms well, of this. Well, that just goes against the entire grain of all contractual principles because there's a thing called privity of contract and if the, if, the, if, if, if the agent doesn't have the authority to enter into that contract on behalf of the principal, just because the production company says, well, your principal is bound or your advertiser, client, is bound, isn't going to wash out, I don't think, in a, in, in in a, court, of law. In a court of law. Okay. Um, well, no, but uh, Peter, this is the reason we're having this conversation, because, you know, as you've said, uh, you know, I have not seen a contract between an advertiser and an agency that does not define it as an independent, the relationship as independent contractor. I've not seen in the last no, 15 years no, yeah. a contract that says that it's an agent relationship. Oh, yes, that's right. Uh, yeah, nor they're all, nor they're yeah. all independent contractors. Correct. Correct. And yet almost no one I speak with mm. in both the agency side and the advertiser side actually understand the legal ramifications of what that means. Right, right, right. So yeah. that's why I think, you know, um, the, the confusion for me is that uh, everyone goes around talking about their agency, mm -hmm. but in actual fact mm -hmm. the relationship they've defined in law mm -hmm. is not one of being an agent, it's being an independent contractor. Correct. And and as I say, it, it does depend on the, on the circumstances, because you can have a, a actual or ostensible authority in an agency situation, and the difference between is actual authority is where the principal says, you're allowed to do X, Y and Z mm -hmm. on my behalf. Okay. Um, ostensible authority is a bit different, where the um, principal says, okay, um, yeah, look, um, uh, uh, you can, you can say that my, you're my agent mm -hmm. and, but you're only allowed to do X, Y, and Z. And the agent goes out and says, I'm so-and-so's agent. Mm -hmm. And they don't limit that. And so that the person they're dealing with, the third party goes, oh, so, and quite rightly so, they assume that that agent has the authority, the ostensible authority, mm. of their principal, so that at the end of the day, what would happen is, is that that might give a right to the third party to have 
an action or a right against the principal, except what would then happen is that the principal would then cross-claim against its agent and say, you've exceeded your authority. Yes. So, for example, if I was, as a lawyer, I also am an agent, Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, I also have certain legislative uh, obligations under our Legal Profession Act and, and, and the like. But as an, as, as an agent, I might be given instructions to settle a case, for example, for, for $1,000. Okay? Um, and I end up settling it for 2000 Well, what would happen there is, is that my client would have to pay the $2,000 but then they would sue me for the other thousand. Hmm. Because you've gone beyond your uh, area of authority. I've gone beyond your authority. I've exceeded my authority. That's exactly right. Right. So, 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 Because it's interesting what the third parties think of the relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, To to your point about uh, the the production companies that are contracting with agencies naturally believe that the client will underwrite their costs or will pay the costs because the agency is acting as an agent. The media owners will be entering into these relationships believing that the advertiser will pay the bill. Mm. When actual fact, as independent contractors, they don't necessarily have that authority unless no. it's defined in the contract. Well, I, I'm, well, there's two ways of ha- that occurring. You know, They may well have actually have that authority, in which case there's no harm done. If they don't have that authority, then, and they've, they've held themselves out as having that authority, then they're guilty of a misrepresentation, but that's in between, between them and the advertiser. And at the end of the day, the third party, um, may well have that claim against the advertiser because of the misrepresentation by the, the agent. If it was in circumstances such that would allow a reasonable third party, so to speak, in that position to go, oh yes, uh, uh, I thought that was the appropriate, um, you, you had the appropriate authority. Authority, yeah. yeah, yeah so. They're acting on it. Uh, it becomes very murky, it, doesn't it? It can become very so murky. many transactions happening with so many third party mm. suppliers mm. And, and entities. Mm-hmm. That uh, it, it seems that, from my perspective, the industry has defaulted to just believing it's still an agent arrangement. Well, that would be a, uh, a naive, naive proposition to, to, to take, or position to take, I should say, because at the end of the day, as I said at the beginning, you know, just because you say it, say it is, doesn't mean it's so. So it's all substance over form at the end of the day. So that. How people are uh, conducting themselves, how they're acting with one another, is going to be taken into consideration. Look, it may be at the end of the day, every, all things being equal, the determining factor might be a clause in a contract saying you are not an agent or you are an agent. But that doesn't mean it's always going to be the determinative factor. No, that's so true. there's always going to be a whole swag of other evidentiary yes. things that can be taken into consideration and will be taken into consideration. So if you're, as an agency, you're, even though the contract may say that you're an independent contractor, you could be an agent. You could be acting as an agent Correct. and that would be taken into consideration yeah. by the courts Correct. because it's the way you're behaving. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and indeed, um, uh, you know, going back to your query earlier, or your example I should say earlier, um, of, of creatives and media, and often cases where media agencies, or I call them consultancies because most of the time they're independent contractors, but they could be acting as an agent in the sense that when they're booking media space, um, there could well be an argument to say that they're acting as an agent on behalf of their advertiser clients. Um, 
and correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, I don't know if the media still does this, I have looked at these ones for a while, but the media often still gets some form of um, acknowledgement or, or recognition signed by the actual advertiser themselves. So they used to do that, I don't know if they still do. Well, they still, um, in most cases, they won't go to buy media unless they have written authority to buy the media right. from the advertiser. Yeah. When you say, you mean the, 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 agent, the agency? Yeah. The agency will not uh, actually start to, to the process of buying mm. the media. They may have negotiated on behalf of mm. the, mm. the uh, mm. client, mm -hmm. but they would usually wait for it to be signed off before they go and commit. Well, that's just an agreement between them and their, their advertiser That's client. right, which is the authority for them yeah. to actually go yeah. and buy. If they went and bought it without that written authority, they could, they could be risking being outside their authority by committing mm. the client to purchasing that media if the contract didn't clearly say they had the authority to do that. But in many respects, I mean, the big problem with this, I mean, it's never an issue if everybody's got money. It's only an issue if people don't have money. And I've seen situations where the advertiser has gone belly up, they've been hooked up for half a million dollars on, on an ad spend, on a media spend, and the media consultant concerned has basically gone, oh my God, you know, and has had to make a very, very uh, difficult call to the media to say, I'm in the hole. Mm. Um, well, yeah. in some ways, to your point about the way the agencies currently act, because they do go into negotiations with the media owners to get a volume discount yes, yes. based on the projected spend of all of their clients yep. before the clients even yep. authorise that spend. Yep. So they will, on an annual basis, sit down with media owners going, well, we'll have approximately $20 million that yep. we can invest with you. And how much what, the discount is that? What's our effective yep. discount or yep. what's going to be our buying position as the starting mm -hmm. point? Mm -hmm. So in that way, in some ways, they're defining themselves as the agent because they're already on entering so, into mm -hmm. negotiations are, uh, as if they're agents of those collection of clients. Mm, mm, mm. But, but Peter, it, it's interesting. So we have agent agreements and we have independent contractor agreements. And as you've said, it, it, as far as the law is concerned, it also depends how you act. Why is it that from my, yeah, as I said, I have not seen a single agreement between an advertiser and their agency that has not been a independent contractor. What is the desirability of the independent contractor relationship for an advertiser that makes it so popular? Oh, that's very clear. Um, liability. Straight up liability. I mean, at the end of the day, um, if you can be one step removed from the liability, legal liabilities that flow from the contracting decisions, that's a better position to be than in the front line. So, in other words, the agency is taking the risk in that sense. So all care, so, no responsibility. Correct. Yeah, it's all care, no responsibility. Now, they'll have their own contract with the agency, no doubt, and, and any, most agency contracts, in fact, every agency contract I've looked at, will have the appropriate um, warranties and indemnities there from, from the advertiser, as the advertiser will have from the agency as well. But um, at the end of the day, the the frontline um, position will be that the either the person, the, you know, the subcontractor or even the media that the agency is dealing with, they're going to be first in line when something goes wrong and there's not enough money and look, there's, there's a debt recovery action, they're going to be knocking on their door to start off with. And at the end of the day, that means that they've then got to go back to 
the advertiser now. If there's a dispute between the advertiser and the agency about the amount, then that's going to be an issue between them, and if it's an independent contractor agreement, that is. Um, and at the end of the day, um, that means that that independent contractor, that agency, is going to be 100% liable mm. to the third party. So, so it's a way of risk, risk mitigation. Yeah, very much risk mitigation. For the advertiser to mm. put that onto the agency. Mm. Mm. It's, that's interesting because, you know, under a agent agreement, it's often that the uh, principal will agree and define the uh, level of compensation or remuneration for the agent as part of this. You know, yes. We see that with uh, real estate agents getting their sales commission, yes. and it used to be with the media agencies would get their 10% commission. Yes. And yes. Yes. So, so that the uh, principal had a legal right to actually define the level of compensation as part of acting as an agent. Mm. Okay. Mm. And, and, and in return, the agent didn't carry all the risk for the transaction. In the sense that they could maintain that they're only acting as the agent for the principal so that the legal legal liability lay with the principal, not the agent, in terms okay. of the third party. Yeah. So now under an independent contractor mm. arrangement, mm. The, the risk sits with the agency, mm. but we also have the advertiser trying to dictate how much the agency makes mm. in their compensation mm. in delivering those services. Mm. Is that a bit like having your cake and eating it too? Oh, yeah, I suppose you could look at it like that. Um, it's, it's, I suppose, well, yeah, I suppose it's really the, the, I don't want to say the problem of being a service provider, but at the end of the day, it's, 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 one of the vicissitudes of life of being a service provider, I think, in, the, in, 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 uh, in this day and age, in that at the end of the day, the person that really calls the shots would be the entity that's wanting the services provided to them as opposed to the provider of the services. So I call it the golden rule. You know, the man with the gold yeah. makes the rule. Yes. So, so that's, that's right. pretty yeah. much that works whether they're an agent or a uh, yes. an independent contractor. Yes. Yes. The the uh, the advertiser gets to uh, define the rules of the game. That's it. Yeah. yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. So uh, the media agency, it's become particularly uh, a hot topic at the moment, is around the transparency mm -hmm. of the transactions that the media agency. In, um, where they generate uh, additional income or revenue mm -hmm. because under, as an agent they were entering into these uh, negotiations and transactions on behalf of the client mm -hmm. and with the authority of the client. Mm -hmm. As an independent contractor they're entering into the same uh, uh, negotiations but with more responsibility. Well potentially more responsibility. I mean as I said earlier I think in those sort of situations it may well be that the um, uh, agent is actually truly an agent at law mm. as opposed to an independent contractor despite the wording of the agreement between them and the the advertisers so when i mean a classic situation of when you place media on behalf of another party um or your 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 client, client your yeah. advertiser client your principal um you uh, well the question will be whether or not you have the right to enter into an agreement with the media on their behalf. Um, and it's often interesting to see whether the bills that are issued by the media are in the name of the advertiser or if they're in the name of the, they might send them care of the agency, 
that they might be in the name of the advertiser? Uh, in most cases, uh, it's to the agency, mm. but it's billed for, for provision of media to the particular client. Right, but well then that just more to the point indicates that from the media's perspective, the person that's going to pay them is the agent, not the mm. you know the media consultant, not not the advertiser, because you know there's uh, reports of the uh, agencies, the media agencies are getting uh, additional uh, funding from uh, uh, rebates or commissions mm. from uh, well, media owners. Mm. They're getting uh, additional uh, invent inventory rather than cash. Mm -hmm. That they're funneling this through holding companies, so that uh, so an audit, a traditional financial audit, wouldn't detect it. Mm -hmm. um, certainly, this is a dirty secret that the uh, the industry uh, is dealing with. Mm. But uh, what what are the legal um, ramifications, or what are the what would be the legal perspective on some of these behaviours, where an independent contractor is actually receiving um, uh, additional incentives or payments from a third party? You look, you're getting in the realm of what's called secret commissions, um, and ah, the Secret Commissions, commissions Act. Act. Yes, well, it's a provision under the Crimes Act, um, and um, at least under New South Wales law. Uh, there is federal legislation, but that's more specific for public service servants as opposed to um, people at large, so to speak. So the New South Wales legislation is for anyone, um, and it, you know it's punishable by up to seven years imprisonment. So you don't want to go to jail for um, obtaining a secret commission. So I mean, in any situation where you're doing work on behalf of another another person um, and you're getting an additional benefit that you don't necessarily, well, you don't disclose to the person on which you're working on behalf of, then it doesn't have to be an agency situation. Then that can amount to a secret commission. Yeah, of course, because financial advisors were cracked down on a few years ago. Mm. They have to very clearly mm. state and have you sign off what all of their sources of revenue. Correct. Correct. As, as commissions and, yeah. and rebates and things. Yeah. So the same applies yeah. in all of these circumstances? Every, every circumstance. I mean, we had uh, you know, years ago, you know, all the various building commission, um, uh, royal commissions that we've had over the years, that, that was a lot of that was to do with secret commissions as well, where uh, various build, builders were getting, you know, kickbacks from property developers and things of that nature. Um, so that, um, uh, yeah, again, it, it doesn't matter which walk of life you're in, which industry you're in, if, if you aren't transparent about it and you're getting an extra benefit that you're, you're the person on which you're doing work on behalf of isn't aware of, it could amount to a secret commission, yeah. Mm. Interesting. So, um, you know, there is this concern about lack of uh, transactional transparency. Mm. What would be the best approach for any advertiser in entering into a, an arrangement with, uh, a, a, you call them uh, media consultants or media agencies, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, are they best having the um, an agent agreement, principal agent agreement? Are they best having a, um, a, a, a an independent contractor, yeah. and, it, and whichever one? What are the types of things that uh, you could reasonably do to get the transparency that you, you desire? Well, I mean the relationship. Uh, between a, a, a um, advertiser and a media consultant or a media agency is always going to be governed 
principally by, by, by the terms of the contract. So you can put in as many provisions there as you like in terms of increasing the transparency between um, what is going on between the media consultancy and the media so that the, the advertiser is aware of, of, of that. Um, so it's not uncommon now to see you know, um, uh, clauses in these sort of contracts where the media consultancy has to fess up to the advertiser um, during the entire time of the duration of the contract of any um, you know, additional rebates and things that they might get back from the media as a result of doing work for the advertiser. So you can have those inbuilt into the contract, and they are inbuilt into the contract. Um, in terms of whether or not it should be an independent contractor agreement or, a, or an agency style or, you know, in, a, in a sense of uh, agency at law type style agreement, um, I sus suspect we're not going to move away from the independent contractor model. That's going to stay. Um, because of the because risk of the mitigation. Risk mitigation, that's exactly mm -hmm. right. Um, You've got to remember, as I was saying, I mean, the, the two are not mutually exclusive. So an agency at law and, a, and an independent contractor type agreement are not mutually exclusive. One doesn't necessarily cancel out the other. You can have both in the same. And as I said, you might have an independent contractor type arrangement, yet there might be certain aspects of that where you're truly an agent at law, such as potentially media placement. Um, so... As I say, I think you're going to be. We're not going to see the end of media consultancy agreements being independent contractor arrangements. Uh, I think that's going to be here to stay. Uh, and um, the question will be whether or not, I suppose, further down the track, uh, and I think media consultancies would be wise to try and resist this, uh, would be to have some specific clause in there saying that, you know, they are. You know, specifically, principally liable for the ad spend that they book. Um, I don't, wow. Yeah, I, well, not that I've seen that. No, I haven't seen it. that, but I'm not just it. saying that's something that you might want to avoid yeah. if you're a media consultant, um, because at the end of the day, the more expressed terms there are about something, the harder it is to say that it isn't. Yes. You know, I mean, even though, as I said before, just because you say it doesn't necessarily mean it's so, once it's there, you trying to show something else gets harder. So, mm. so uh, be important. Uh, not, you know, as you said, everyone before earlier, everyone uh, has contracts, or most people have contracts now between uh, advertisers and agencies. Um, it's more important now to actually understand what those contracts mean, isn't it? Well, yeah, yeah, from a legal perspective, absolutely. Most times we, uh, we ask our clients about what contracts they have in place and they can't find them. Yes, <laughs> yes, I've had that one. <laughs> it's like something that got signed three years ago mm. when we appointed them. In, in fact, I remember uh, not long ago uh, an, a client asked us to help them terminate an existing agency and mm. we asked for the contract mm. and they said there wasn't one in place. Mm. Mm. And when we went to the agency, the agency actually pulled it out. It was a letter of agreement mm. that they'd signed 10 years earlier and there were no uh, exit provisions, mm. no, no, no termination provisions. Well, there, there, there are provisions there at law for that to take take effect at common law where, where there's the absence of certain clauses that you're looking for, like the yeah. termination provisions. But um, 
I mean, I've had situations where, you know, um, the party has, whichever one I'm acting for, has pulled out an agreement that's never been signed. Um, but they've conducted themselves basically, not necessarily to the letter, but by and large in accordance with its terms, which makes it easier. But then you're talking about an implied contract. And once you're talking about an implied contract, mm. all sorts of things can, can find its way into it. So it's always best to make sure that whatever is agreed is agreed, reduced to writing and executed so that it's signed by the parties so that at the end of the day you've got a legally binding agreement. The question is, does everybody know what it means? <laughs> so, and often they don't. No. Well, um, that's the best way you should be getting legal advice, obviously, at the beginning of these things so that you know what you're entering into um, and what the ramifications could be for you down the track. Yeah. Um, a lot of the, um, the media agencies are feeling... Uh, to go back to the media agencies and it just cross my mind that they feel that if they're taking the risk they should also be able to set their mar own margins on that oh look I, that, that oh, look I can understand that point of view um, especially if they're taking the risks um, the, but again it goes back to that yeah what was your rule? The golden rule? The golden rule, yeah. That's it. The, the golden rule. The gold makes the rule. That's it. And you're stuck with that. It's like, I mean, as you quite rightly pointed out, I mean, back in the old Media Council of Australia days, it was a 10% um, 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 rebate back to the agency who were, lit they were actually, because they were accredited agencies, were not allowed to rebate that back to their client. Mm. So they get that, plus it's 7.5% service fee, they were killing it. Mm. That's a term of art. Um, now they might be down to 2, 2%, 3%? Uh, so 3% is yeah. the global average according to the global average, World, Fe World Federation of Advertisers. So, uh, for global advertisers, it's 3% for traditional media yeah. and 6% for digital media. What was the oh, last? Okay, uh, okay. all right. Mm. So, so, well, okay, so a global average of 3%. Um, is a big difference, mm. and you would have to rebate the other seven percent back to the client. Except that we're hearing uh, stories about uh, on digital transactions, and especially with uh, programmatic buying and uh, trading desks, mm -hmm. uh, some of the agencies are making thirty, forty percent on those uh, transactions, and this is the concern the advertisers have right. around the the amount of transparency, because a lot of these things appear like a black box, you know, you pull the, uh, the budget in one end and advertising, uh, mm. digital advertising gets uh, served at the other end, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, there's very little change out of your millions and millions of dollars. Well, I suppose what we've often seen with a lot of these sort of agreements, or at least what I've seen, is, is there's obviously very, very detailed and um, fulsome audit provisions which allow uh, the advertisers to go back and review uh, you know, the ad spends and things of that nature so that they can ensure that from their perspective uh, they're not being Again, I'm going to use a term of art, ripped off. <laughs> <laughs> ripped off, and that's their fear. It's yeah. the fear of being yeah. ripped off. That's yeah, right. Exactly. The, the, the golden rule, uh, the man with the gold doesn't like being ripped off. Yeah, exactly, right. because, well, and after all, they made the rules. Uh, so they made the gold, too. <laughs> we've, we've seen some interesting things in, um, in these uh, uh, independent contractor arrangements, which have very long clauses around 
uh, related bodies corporate mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, you know, under the Corporations mm -hmm, Act mm -hmm. because uh, often the money will be, the contract will be with a particular entity being the mm -hmm, agency mm -hmm. or media consultancy, mm -hmm. but that the actual rebates are coming back through, say, a holding company or a, a, another corporation related to the agency. Mm -hmm. And that makes it particularly difficult to do an audit mm -hmm. um, because you only have the rights to audit your accounts. Well, Within that's not all of the accounts. That no, and and I would have thought any. And you're talking about the all of the accounts of the media consultancy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All the related bodies of the media consultancy. Yeah, and and um, quite frankly, I mean, I think any media consultancy would be quite right to resist that sort of expansion of that definition, or, or rather, the 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 uh, expansion of the audit provisions to um, cover their related body corporates, because, as you say, it's it's them who's doing that. However, if that's becoming a common practice, I can see there'll be more push for that by the advertisers because they'll be saying, well, um, yeah, it's all part, you're all part of the same group. Um, but under the, under the doctrine of privity, privity of contract, and it's, it's, it's unlike, there's, there's provisions in other jurisdictions around the world, like the UK, you can have rights against third parties that are of the same group. Okay. That's under statute over there. We don't have that law here. Um, there are certain provisions in certain state jurisdictions in Australia that give you um, specific rights, some, you know, usually related to insurance type claims um, to related bodies, but um, for the purpose of New South Wales, um, there is no, there is no um, additional legislation that uh, in any way sort of um, Restricts or reduces that that um, legal doctrine of or principle of um, privity of contract. That is, the contract is between two contracting parties, and that's it. No others. Yeah. Unless, of course, you give somebody a specific right within that contract to go and act on act on or or look at the the the. Um, uh, records or, or financial uh, records of another of a related body corporate but that that obligation will be on the agency yeah not on it's not something you would be able to enforce against a related body corporate yeah you'd only enforce it against the agency whereas the example i was giving in the uk you could actually enforce it against the related body corporate even though they're not originally a party to the contract okay yeah, so that's a big difference. Yeah. But we don't have that here. And, and so that's one of the issues uh, yeah, and the concerns around transparency is that you know, the money trail could f flow around through any number of uh, entities mm. and be impossible to actually enforce even an audit provision mm. because they're outside of the primary uh, scope of that contract. Yep. Yep. So the big thing I've got out of this conversation, Peter, is that we've got to stop calling them agencies. Yeah, I think that's probably... I, look, in many respects, I don't think that's going to go away. It's one of those sort of... Uh, as, as you mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, there's a lot of different agencies around that may not, strictly speaking, be agencies. Um, and uh, I think the, the popular term is going to stay. But, I mean, from a legal perspective, it might be more appropriate not to call them agencies. <laughs> well, especially because, uh, you know, that it does uh, confer a, a certain relationship or, or set of trust or, uh, you know, that may not actually be there. Well, that, that, that's true. But as I say, it's, it's more the popular view that uh, people might think of agencies as opposed to the legal view. And maybe people need to start thinking more about the legal view 
uh, of uh, an agency and the more narrow confines that that entails as opposed to the, the broader coverall picture that they get from the concept of agency. Mm. Okay. Thank you for your time. Pleasure. Thank you for bringing some uh, clarity to... Uh, well, I have I brought some too. clarity and I haven't confused everybody. <laughs> well, and, and of course, you know, uh, the advice that you should always get is uh, if you've got any concerns about your contract, see a lawyer. Right? Absolutely. Thanks very much. Pleasure.